section one of the rover volume one number seven this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the rover volume one number seven edited by seba smith and lawrence labrie section one the sisters of the silver palace a tale from the italian chronicles i am going to tell you a tale of two beautiful maidens and their lovers as true as any other fablio and as long bright ladies and noble gentlemen as your patience will desire the chronicles do not declare in what year of our lord it was that the count gian battista magliano and his daughters inhabited the noble silver palace which as you know doubtless was the name of the most goodly casa on the brenta count gian battista was a strange man no one spoke well of him the most liberal of the fathers of the monastery hard by who took tithe of his domains in roasted and boiled yea and in fish also the cardinal who had dined with him the oftenest made a wry mouth when his name was mentioned a sorcerer he was thought by some by others a plotter but all agreed he was a miser and pitied his two daughters the lady alda and the lady angelica for a hard life said the gossips must they have had the one to squeeze from the old churl the feathers she used to adorn herself with the other that rare net for the hair of pearls which had hung up for a twelvemonth in the market at damascus and never found a purchaser it was so costly every one i say pitied these maidens and owned the same to be wonderful for their fair looks and their varying blandishments but with all that lovers came but scantily to the silver palace and rode away as they came pretty speedily whether out of starvation or from disappointment in not having found in the fair ones all that was expected of sweetness and modesty is not known to me at length it fell out that between age and the east wind the count magliano deceased he was tended carefully by his children and the lady alda would have it that to the last his habits of spare living should be continued also dutifully the lady angelica refused him the clothes to his couch which he would if in his sound senses have despised but for which being now somewhat light-headed he did pray mightily none but they two were with the father at the hour of his decease and i have heard that before the evening of that day ere his death was known to the household they had searched every nook and crevice of the silver palace finding neither gold nor jewels nor token of the same but many scrolls in which large sums of money 
owed by their father were set down in short so far from being a miser the count magliano had owned nothing to hoard save the name of being a pinching man the saints forgive him sister said the lady alda this is a woeful chance a woeful chance indeed replied the lady angelica and hopeless unless we make our wits help us let us hide that our father is deceased at least till we are married i fear then answered the lady alda that we must go to great cost in embalming wilt thou give thy pearl net not till i have caught it in some better prize than my ancient german graf alberic with the grey beard but while we are talking the news will be abroad so the prudent maidens had the old man buried quietly in the dusk of the evening and they closed up his chamber and gave out that he lay sick watched there by one old serving-man there were none to question this save their poor maid and follower for the large retinue of the silver palace had one by one dropped away some out of discontent to seek better service some like the count of eighty years scanty food spare clothing and the east wind graf alberic with the grey beard said the lady alda to herself when she walked alone heaven keep us all from unequal matches and devoutly she crossed herself my once faithful suitor the marquis oyedo is half a year older than this german bear and that squint of his how it puts mine eyes wrong whenever i look in him oh never never better starve than marry him what can the young cavaliers be doing a year went by a long and dreary season of probation as was observed by prudent neighbours who nevertheless offered no help for maidens nursing their sick parent and for creditors awaiting his death to be paid by the heiresses rarely were the ladies alda and angelica seen at mass and many a friar repulsed when he would have confessed them or come to the speech of the sick man preached lustily against the hat and feathers and the net of pearls and the satin and the furred ropes and the hanging sleeves which set the eyes of the congregation a-wandering mostly those of the young men they were bidden to few revels for the rumour of what their estate was like to prove had all but reached even persons so ancient and deaf as the count alberic with the grey beard and the squinting marquis oyedo but though as i said the eyes of the young men followed their steps and though they remained to be the envy of all the women for their proud looks and rich garments the grapes were hanging purple on the trees in the second year of their orphanhood and still whenever the maidens spoke together they joined in the lamentable inquiry what can the young cavaliers be doing i say whenever they spoke together because it is believed that each sister was cheered by hopeful thoughts of comfort when alone the lady alda had been whispered to while at mass shame that such traffickings should enter the house of god by a splendidly attired young gallant whose velvet doublet and perfumed busking 
and bare cap clasped with a shining jewel were the least of his attractions so honey-sweet were his words so bold but not too unseemliness were his eyes and the lady alda had listened and looked and let drop something of a gentle and complying answer mingled artfully with fears of her churlish father and of her jealous sister until these moving discourses had reached the mention of a certain arch in the garden wall of the silver palace and of a certain vesper time at which the marquis Oyeda was coming to claim her hand and her cruel father had threatened to rise from his sickbed to sell the maiden to that squinting spanish nobleman ah lady alda confided not to the prince armonia giocoso such was the name of the swain that father she had none and that the spaniard had been lured on by herself with good words till he believed himself indeed the choice of her love will you wonder then that strenuously and secretly did she hide this blessing of a young handsome wooer for such she deemed it from her sister meanwhile the lady angelica was scheming severely and secretly also oh had alda once seen my beautiful prince rosa Boca, was ever her meditation when she walked alone i could never have a moment's peace dainty had been the letter slipped into her long furred sleeves by this ardent cavalier so eminent for his melancholy visage and his sorrowful coloured suit and his shoes with peaked toes which pierced her heart he too had knelt near her at mass the sisters never prayed together and had plucked for her many a chaplet of roses for her adorning with every flower offering some of those soft solemn words to which resistance there is none and subtly had she too spread the lure and threatened him with a suspicious and watchful sister and a tyrannical father and shocking graf alberic with his grey beard there is a terrace in the gardens of the silver palace by this time grievously neglected to the foot of which a gondola could conveniently be brought by starlight on friday evening were the last words which had passed between them on the occasion of its mention after which were echo a babbler of the partings of lovers she must have told of a kiss thank my woman's wit said the lady angelica it hath delivered me from graf alberic poor sister alda i declare i wish her well the time was sunset such a sunset italy only can show you might have thought that the belfry of our lady's church whence the echo of evening chimes was still quivering was carved out of amethyst not common stone and that the fair statues round about the western front were each one a great golden image the air was full of the scents of jessamine and orange blossoms and laid roses and there might already be heard tinklings under the windows of houses where beauties were known to abide and sometimes a laugh or a few notes touched on a lute in answer here and there in the porch of some monastery might be seen the bald front of an ancient monk or so as transgressing he leaned forth to breathe that perfumed air or to take a wistful peep at the world without while the guests and the 
Osterie lingered to listen a while longer to the ballad monger or to look at another of the wandering ballerina's measures for who would hurry home on such a night one wayside inn i know of was that evening crowded to be sure it was always well filled with guests for who was in such good renown for thrift and civil words as monoparetti the hostess or where was there as pretty a damsel to be seen and chaste and modest as pretty as diana her ward or how could gallant be more blithely served to his horse or his supper with a witty tale or a smart saying while his foot was in the stirrup or while he was draining the last drops from the flask than by the black-eyed well-limbed shrewd simplicio the widow's son on that pleasant night however diana was something short of her share of the sunshine what can all this closeting mean mother she said in the tapestry parlour between simplicio and those two ancient gentlemen that he refuses to reply when i ask and heeds not if i look angry nay and when i wept just now laughed in my face and bade me not be curious i know not darling was mona paretti's answer more discreet than true but wipe thine eyes and be not fearful simplicio is a good lad and has been thy true bachelor these three years next posh time let him not fancy thee curious or jealous they are all calling for another flask of muscadel i must be gone jealous murmured diana looking after that nimble woman then she doth know of cause i never named to her that i was jealous simplicio here the youth came forth with as pleasant a face as if he had that instant earned a purse of gold hast thou never a moment for me not a second Pekina, cried the youth gaily stopping further reproach in a wise which would console any maiden were she ever so petulant go thy ways within there is my mother run off her feet with those hungry merchants from turin and yonder is the friar cherubino from valombrosa who must needs keep his chamber alone go and see that he lacks nothing my pretty diana and bid him teach thee a cure for curiosity till to-morrow or the morn after nay i will not away with that pounting and i am already waited for and ere she could resist or again beseech him to stay simplicio was out of the courtyard she ran to the gate shading the sun from her eyes with her hand to see which way he went but there were many garden walls round about the inn and a large elm or two which being hung with vines were ample enough to hide two men stouter than simplicio had it been needful in short he had altogether vanished poor little diana laughed the youth as he strode away across the plain half out of breath with his escape well a necklace of coral or a satin petticoat for the festa will soon bring matters round with her she is a forgiving child and so fond of me and now for my proud beauty of the silver palace what if she should have cared for me after all and not for the prince armonia chiocoso fie the girl who could tell a lie about her father's death will not much regard the plain simplicio peretti and she was won so very easily and with that he laughed merrily 
anew the lady rosalie count edgar came to woo his speech was bold and free his mantle it was new and he thought himself so fair no maid his glance might dare ah wandering youths beware lest you believe so too the lady from on high looked far across the mead and saw the knight draw nigh upon his prancing steed her hair with flowers she tied and laughed to see his pride ah youths that wooing ride of such a laugh take heed he knelt before her feet and swore her eye was bright and that her voice was sweet as music heard by night ah sweet thy smilings show rare gems shall bind thy brow if thou wilt hear my vow thy edgar woos aright sister angelica cried a shrill voice from a window above the terrace on which the maiden was walking singing like a nightingale why must thou be abroad at so late an hour late alder and the moon not up no fear have i of cramps or pains the air refreshes me twill be my last evening here she added to herself oh when were hours ever so long would that to-morrow were come and again she uplifted her voice the night departed mute the maiden stole unseen to where a well-known lute rang through the thicket green and soon a gentle strain was heard from voices twain ah well thou wooest in vain where true love once hath been what can all angelica said the lady alda who had by this time also descended that she is restless and will not abide in her chamber this evening well it matters little now the prince harmonia giocoso is constant what he seems to be i dare be sworn no common man no traitor in love could have that gallant air hark were those his horse's feet already and she sped down her walk cradled with vines toward the arch which as i have said overhung the river whither so fast sister alda called a shrill voice close behind her it might have been the owls for she shook with fear and turned not to reply to it whither so fast repeated her fleeter-footed sister now close at her ear and decked out in all thy bravery what means it o oh, sister sister fare thee well cried the lady alda making a great show of tenderness as naught better was to be done i am waited for i am what art thou going to leave me cried the lady angelica unkind cruel traitorous to have concealed thy mind from me thank my good star said she to herself still hanging on her sister's arms and weeping as if in sore despair that there is in store for me the sweet prince rosaboca prettily else had i been deserted but lady alda pressed on invited by the distinct plashing sound of a horse's feet in the water and scarcely able to keep in the tender ejaculations which rose to her lips she was soon at the arch he was there santa maria how deliciously attired and his horse too was caparisoned fit to carry a king ah take care take care cried the maiden tenderly afraid for his buskins i fear me the water is deep heed not sweetest cried the youth and then murmured to himself were the horse not a borrowed one would i ride so easily well i shall not have the grooming of him to-morrow morning and thou art ready exquisite punctuality ah it is only the false 
who loiter and who is that maiden beside thee for methinks there be two of you no one nothing my bower woman was the lady alda's reply making the while a great show of affection to the lady angelica who wept more than it is thought she might have done had she heard the whole now i prithee dearest child come with me no further we must part i will write i will send thee a lock of mine hair sweetest faithfulest friend alas my prince the wall is very high but for all that in one second more she was in his arms he screening his face the while he looked up to her as he could which was not hard to do inasmuch as the twilight shadows were falling and that quickly indeed had he worn a visor he could not have passed away keeping his features more entirely strange to the lady angelica who as she stole home was never tired of repeating to herself who could have thought it ride behind him on his horse like a common vintager's wife some mean fellow dressed out in tawdry clothes i warrant him but it serves her justly fie upon all such deceit meanwhile the two having quitted the river's margin were making haste across the plain the horse bearing his part as a spirited minister as if indeed behind them had been what the lady alda professed to dread a prying sister and a cruel father for a mile neither spoke much it may be because deep love in its first instance of rapture is always silent it may be because the prince armonia giocoso was wondering what fantasy could make a maiden desirous to be stolen away when there was none from whom to steal her ye have guessed his true name i see already faster faster cried the lady alda at last when the speed of saladin careless though his burden was fair began to abate a little care you not dearest prince lest we should be overtaken the prince made no answer and the lady alda urged him again a little louder for with all her sweet looks there were times when her voice would make itself heard and now she was fearful of not being run away with fast enough there is as much fear of thy being pursued my bright lady alda replied the cavalier as there is truth in thou wouldst not already say truth in thy love was the tender interruption for though sure of his reply like other maidens i have heard of the lady alda was anxious to hear the same thou wouldst not already declare that thou art wearied of thy charge ah man man and with that she fetched a few very tender sighs but the answer came not whereupon she pressed for it again in that sharper tone of hers what new falsehood wouldst say my prince simply spoke out the youth his eye glancing keenly athwart the plain as though he sought something simply that there is as much fear of thy being pursued as there is truth in my princeship diamond hath cut diamond thy father the count magliano deceased a twelve months since thy sister who did ill not to peep over the wall just now is about to try her fortune with my patron's friend the prince rosa boca whose groom oftentimes have i been plain simplicio peretti being my name the son of the hostess of our lady of the cherries i have heard of many storms of earthquakes also but never were either so dreadful as the lady alda's wrath upon this goodly revelation being made to her violent were her words terrible to hear her menaces set me down wretch set me down i say oh if there be law in italy or when men left thou shalt rue this audacity the marquis oyeda shall hear of it 
i hope so said simplicio wiping his forehead with his cuff as he took the disenchanted damsel at her word and assisted her to alight and yonder he sits in his coach to redress your wrongs fairest lady had he trifled less with his suit there had been no need of my ministry i judge that now you will hardly desire to return unwed to the silver palace and as he spoke the chariot door was opened and with a parting kiss upon her hand nimbly given to escape the cuff her fingers tingled to bestow the faithless prince harmonia giocoso delivered the lady alda into the staid keeping of the squinting spanish marquis fifty golden crowns won and this rare suit laughed simplicio as he rode across the plain and as much to-morrow from graf alberic o diana diana thou mayest well afford a little heartache who art so soon to be so sumptuously dowered and so merrily wedded it was the second morning after the lady alda's wedding that the marquis oyeda a little wondering what had become of some of her charms stole forth and left his young wife at home planning new robes and furniture and marvellously set upon a plume which she would have the old gentleman buy because it had been refused as too costly by no less a personage than the queen of cyprus the lady alda truth to say for all she was so lately wedded lacked company her sister to wrangle with or news to discover whether indeed there was any truth in what that audacious fellow had declared concerning the lady angelica and some prince rosa Boca or other all at once she hears a voice in the antechamber why it is angelica exclaims she come to mock me with her younger bridegroom and willingly would she have shrunk behind the heiress but she was count giambattista's daughter and accordingly she stiffened herself up and prepared to express much contentment in the nuptial state opened the door and one stood there half pale half red but wondrously richly dressed it was angelica where is the marquis i would see the marquis poor gentleman how he will take it to heart when he finds his old comrade married and he still a best ah sister alda sister alda what do you hear what my lord's loving wife ought to do was the other's reply swallowing her envy as best she might and how doth the prince rosaboca knowest thou aught of that listen it was thy unkindness and hiding from me thy resolve to marry the spanish lord that drove me to think of the wretch i declare it was i loved him not and even when he came last evening to fetch me away with his gondola as was appointed he hath a marvellously courtly look in that dark suit the impostor oh i say when i came down the west terrace for the last time he leading me and soothing me ever so sweetly the while and swearing the stars were dim not because they disdained to light us but because my two eyes shamed them i tell thee i felt a doleful foreboding and i would fain have tarried but he hurried me along it was my graf alberic's impatience warmly did the lady alda embracing her interrupt the lady angelica's recital kiss me sweetest sister and let us be friends again i know all we have both been tricked but may we deserve to be doubted for no daughters of the count giambattista magliano rest his soul if we do not visit it upon our husbands heaven be thanked man is mortal and an old man especially so now i shall be asked right ladies and gentlemen whether these sisters of the silver palace 
kept their vow but i know no more of their history save that the lady alda was in turn cut short by a great noise below the zampagni and dulcimers and merry boys and girls shouting and the ambling of mules feet what meaneth that uproar marquis inquired she of her spouse who entered ere she could inquire is my castle garden turned into an osteria already and he answered quietly it is the wedding train of diana monoparetti's ward and simplicio her son were it not for my stiff neck i would open the window that you might hear so merry a ballad some of them are singing and the burden is ah wealth thou wooest in vain were true love once hath been tis an inevitable chance the first statute in magna carta an everlasting act of parliament all must die end of section one